Hello, you are tuned in to Take Feed with Kanye, a South African podcast that brings you untold stories of women in disruptive tech spaces. On this week's episode, we have Raiseja Safala, a young woman who recently finished her thesis on using satellite images for studying the remaining effects of spatial segregation during apartheid. Hello, Raiseja, and welcome to Take Feed with Kanye. It's an honor to have you here with me today. Hey, Kanye, thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here. No, I appreciate you coming through. So can you tell the listeners who you are, where you grew up, what you're currently doing? Yeah, sure. So I am Raise Josefala. I am from a township in Mbobo called Um, And yeah, I went to an all-girls high school. <laughs> and um, But then currently I am completing my master's in computer science with a focus on machine learning and spatial data analysis at VIPS. Oh, wow, that's cool. Um, so how did you get into tech and why? So I know you started off as a junior applications developer, but how does, has that inspired you to move to what you're doing in terms of research? Yeah, so actually, um, when I was still in um, grade seven, I think, my mm-hmm. cousin came home from... Uh, university one day and he said let me show you something Uh, and then we went to the computer at my house and he drew he said I should draw draw something um, in paint and I I remember I scribbled like an A uh, like a letter A capital letter A he took that and he created like a web page with it and then he said I should type things, and I typed them, and then, boom, he just um, opened it in a browser, and they, there was, like, that first website, and I was like, what? This is so <laughs> cool. Um, how do you do this? And then he gave me more material uh, to learn, like, you know, so that I can learn HTML and produce other things, um, and then that was like the first time I was introduced to the idea of computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and from there, I was just curious. All right. That's cool. So what did you study? So if I just give you a bit of context, during the apartheid era, there was actually this um, act which was passed that forced all non-European groups to um, move out of urban areas and predominantly into places like townships, where in these townships we were given um, small plots of land, regardless of the number of people living in the in the in the household, and in the community itself, they had less resources, like your hospitals and your schools, and these townships were usually densely packed, which also meant that these hospitals and these schools, which were um, disproportionately distributed, they were also densely packed um, as a result of getting less budgets from the government um, in comparison to, like, you know, suburbs and mm-hmm. um, small holdings, other neighborhoods like that. So, um, so now, now post apartheid. We still see townships being densely packed, 
um, and schools and your resources like your schools and your hospitals, they they're also densely packed, they're overcrowded. Um, and there are just less resources like that, um, which are proportional to the number of people living in those neighborhoods. Yeah, so in this project, we are looking at things like that. We are looking at um, the resources versus the number of, like the population in these um, townships versus resources and versus population in um, suburbs and other neighborhoods like that over time post apartheid. Okay. So that's like the big picture of um, the project. So for my masters, I was looking at uh, creating data sets. So let me just explain. So to in order to be able to say a in a township houses uh, versus the resources like hospitals to even label that as a township you need like some form like someone has to tell you that that place is a township like this section is a township and you can start analyzing from within those boundaries okay. so that data set doesn't actually exist um so during the 2011 census we had um we, we like there was this um data set which labeled neighborhoods um, in a form of formal residentials, informal residential, um, traditional residential, a farm and things like that. But then no data set explicitly um, said this is a township and this is a suburb um, mm-hmm. and things like that. So. Um, in my master's work, I created that data set which says this section of land is a township, that section of land is a suburb for the entire country, mm-hmm. so that we can then be able to train a machine learning model um, to create new labels like township, suburb for the like the later or future years um, in which like labels had not been created yet. So what I'm trying to say by that is that for the data set for 2020, looking at satellite images um, in 2020, labels of how extensive a township has grown had not been created yet. So with my machine learning model, I can then predict how, like how much growth there has been um, in a township and then create new labels of where townships extend to um, boundaries of suburbs as well and things like that. So that we can be able to say, um, within this boundary is a township. Let's look at the houses versus, or like let's look at the population versus um, the number of resources being registered for this um, neighborhood here. Oh, wow. So the government could actually use that to determine whether or not resources need to be allocated to a certain part or portion of the country based on that then. Because if it's missing, yeah, yeah, if like there aren't enough resources in like Soweto or like a specific place in Soweto, you know that this place needs two hospitals as opposed to like um, 
the one in like another part of the township that's so cool yeah we can look at it that way and also the people can hold the government accountable i mean if you have like you know something tangible to say like you know a data set that you can point to and be like hey how is it that in like this look at villages for example um you get like a like a hospital in a village not even in a village like the closest hospital village being like very 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 far um but then because they don't, you know, they don't, they don't protest or things around that. We never actually get to hear about those uh, and keep the government accountable. But now we can say, hey, yeah, now we can actually say, hey, um, how is it that there is this one hospital, um, like, you know, in like that just um, caters for people in this very, very, very big plot of land. Yeah. Yeah, and then now maybe we can start having serious conversations around healthcare in places like that. Oh wow! Okay, no, I I think it's very much needed, um, especially because it's in the context of Africa and just like South Africa. Um, but you mentioned that there aren't, there isn't like much data sets in terms of Africa. Why do you think that is? Because I think, obviously, data sets in our context are very important because if we try to solve our own problems, we kind of need to have different data sets within, like, South Africa. But why do you think there aren't many? Oh, it's actually very expensive to create a data set. Okay. I mean, if I just give you, like, a simple example, if I'm trying to maybe... uh, Let's look at the census. Um, Maybe I'm just trying to, uh, you know, just count the number of houses no, yeah let's just look at this one Let, I'm just maybe I'm just trying to count the number of houses in like you know a certain like in the province for example mm-hmm. I need to hire people I need satellite images maybe um, I also need to hire people and on top of the people that I hire to sort of firstly just tell us where the houses are I need to hire another set of people to evaluate um how how well those labels were created um and then i need a way to sort of store the data set um and things like that so that whole process is expensive and um yeah like <laughs> it's it's usually better to just create a survey look at us like you know samples certain places and then just count from there than to do like the actual groundwork of labeling everything oh from scratch okay so yeah i mean if the government doesn't have enough money to do that then it probably won't get done do you think it's a problem of not having enough money or just not investing enough into the whole research um idea it it could be either way (laughs) okay okay fair enough (laughs) um so what inspired your research um, actually, one of my supervisors, I have three supervisors supervising in this work, and one of my supervisors came up with the whole idea of looking at quantifying spatial segregation in South Africa. But then as um, we all started doing the work, we realized that um, that is like a maybe a vision, 
<laughs> but then a lot of groundwork needed to be done. Um, and yeah, so we've sort of redefined the whole project. Um, now to looking at um, the effects of spatial apartheid and the evolution of it. So I know your research obviously is um, specific to Africa, which I think is great um, and quite disruptive in that. But how do you then see like well machine learning specifically in Africa how's that going how's the industry going is it like full of people doing things or are we still behind how does it look in Africa compared to international waters or space um it looks like we like like a good number of people are um joining on to the bandwagon like one big problem is that we want to do it and we want to do it for our context, but then data sets which are available, like, you know, uh, resources which are available and without like a, a lot of money being involved, they're like data sets which are captured from the North and the West, the globe, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, and then we try to say, okay, cool. We see machine learning. Okay, I've learned a few things. I've learned that. Um, now can I use it for my problems? And then mm-hmm. it's like this, this, like you know, this burden of having to label data, um, this financial burden that that is required, having to label data. Can we? Can we do this? Can we collect surveys? Can we? Like they're doing it in the north and the west, north and mm-hmm. west kind of thing. So. Um, yeah, so this, as much as we are trying to do it for, like, you know, Africa, there's this financial burden of labeling data so that we can continue with our data sets for our problems kind of thing. That's, like, one thing that I've noticed as well doing my own project. Mm-hmm. Um, like, as much as I wanted to do it for South Africa, satellite images are there, but the problem is labels. So the number of people are... They're growing. I mean, there are a lot of initiatives like Data Science Africa in Nigeria, I think. It started in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. There is the deep learning in Daba as well. Um, and then there's deep learning in Daba access all around Africa as well, um, trying to grow the capacity. I mean, people have problems, interesting problems that they'd like to apply this technology mm-hmm. too but then these sort of these initiatives sort of give um, people around that knowledge that they need to sort of be able to apply these machine learning ab- algorithms that we hear a lot about but a lot of like it's a growing number of people uh, I mean a lot of universities are also offering a lot of this um these courses okay um i think one other <laughs> quite well important question in the research one is um how do you think africans can occupy the tech space um internationally because i know it's not really happening with our research papers um you touched on this um sometime when i spoke to you initially uh why do you think that's happening and how do we how do we change that yeah um sure why is that happening? Uh, I, I suppose we just don't have capacity as well. I mean, not everyone can supervise you with like a machine learning master's 
we need mm-hmm. more people with a lot of knowledge who can sort of who are interested in imparting it to you so that you can mm-hmm. sort of in a guided manner um like do your baby steps um mm-hmm. you need to publish a lot more you know when you're actually doing a project you you like you you gain a lot of knowledge i mean now you, now i know how to use satellite images for machine learning i know how to use spatial data because i was forced to do it within my own work uh, but then if mm-hmm. i didn't do that work i wouldn't have that knowledge so they're doing yeah. a lot of these projects and then they're acquiring like this knowledge uh, and then just building capacity there and their quality of work just improves just like that. I think that's yeah. what we are lacking. Um, we're lacking like guidance and um, like, you know, financial, the financial muscle to support interns on these short projects and publications um, and sort of like that system, that, that whole system of publishing work, doing the work and publishing and doing the work publishing how has the tech research industry been for you as a woman um have there been any problems if there aren't then obviously that's fine um and if there are problems like how do you think we can solve them um yeah uh (laughs) you know actually (laughs) someone (laughs) someone asked me this question a while ago uh, I was like doing an interview, like my first radio interview with <laughs> with Kaya FM, and they invited graduates, uh, and I had just graduated um, computer science undergrad, and they asked, like you know, given that computer science is predominantly uh, male dominated, um, how did I find navigating it as a woman? And I said, uh, oh, yeah, no, it's like I, I didn't actually feel that. Um, I just felt like my lecturers were very welcoming and people in the school as well uh, were very, like, you know, accommodating and everyone wanted to help. Um, yeah, and I was like, I, I don't think, like, you know, it, that could be a reason why people shouldn't be doing computer science. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. So, like, after, after I answered that question and I left that place, like, I just started thinking more about, you know, the fact that there's just less and less women who are interested in or who are actually doing computer science um, at universities, let alone anywhere mm-hmm. else. Um, like, in my first year, we were, we were like a lot of, there was a lot of women like in the class. Mm-hmm. And second year, a lot more dropped out. So by third year, it was like, I don't know. A handful. A, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also experienced that, yeah. <laughs> and then go to honors, it's like, you know, here and there. And then master's, boom, sure. It's like <laughs> three three fingers out of... 20,000 or something like that is my exaggeration. And then it's like, yeah, I I was just thinking about that question, like how I answered it then. Um, And I'm just, I was just, and then I just started asking people, like, you know, why why did you not do your honors? Why did you not do your master's? 
and there were a lot of answers really um there was people who were like you know what i have family responsibilities mm-hmm. and i need to go get a job um so i can't do honors and masters because now you know i need to start earning money and then others were like yeah man uh, i i was harassed um I just didn't feel comfortable. I didn't like it in class because of A, B, and C or in the lab. Then I just, I I started asking people also like, you know, um, why aren't you doing a master's? Why aren't you doing a PhD? What is happening? No, I, I, so they're like, I have a feminine responsibility, whatever, whatever. And then I was like, okay, cool. So I started asking people who are doing masters and I'm like, why don't you come to the labs? I mean, we don't see you guys here very often. And I didn't even know that you guys were doing masters. So they, they said, yeah, you know what? Um, I don't come to the labs because I don't feel comfortable. You know how these labs mm-hmm. are? They're like, you know, uh, cubicles essentially. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, then it admits there are like couches as well. You know, they try to accommodate everyone. Uh, they're mm-hmm. like couches and there's like a coffee station as well. It's like a fridge and a microwave and nice things. But then I'm like, and then a computer with like good, like a good resourced computer with like maybe two GPUs um, and a lot of space. So I'm like, why don't you come to the lab and do your work? And they're like, hey, you know what, I actually don't feel comfortable being in the lab late at night um, alone with these guys, um, whoever, whoever gives girls inappropriate hugs um, and says inappropriate things. I, I just don't want to deal with those. Um, and yeah, and then people just had a lot of stories around their supervisors as well. They made them quit. Um and just a lot of things, like, you know, just a toxic environment. Um, so, yeah. So, I, so yeah, then I sort of uh, got together with a group of women and started asking these questions. Went to uh, the community, what's this, these organizations at VIT, which uh, support people who have been harassed and things around that. And then we asked them, why don't we firstly we didn't even know where the building where they were sitting at the university mm-hmm. and then we're like how do we not know all of these things um yet we have these problems and we just realized that no one actually talks about it like in that sort of targeted manner um yeah and then yeah then we started this um community called women in computational science research where we mm-hmm. Like we aim to grow the number of women in this space by firstly understanding. So the first thing was to firstly understand why there aren't enough women and just getting those reasons. Like, sure, some were just uncomfortable. Um, there were not a lot of people um, in their labs, a lot of women in their labs, so it doesn't feel comfortable for you. I mean, the jokes majority makes maybe they make you feel uncomfortable and like don't get me started on the jokes 
oh yeah even in corporates <laughs> you see this like it's like i'm like this isn't funny though like you can't make fun of something that could make me uncomfortable as a woman yeah these spaces are already occupied by men and men need to start realizing that we're not going to speak up about it because it is a boys club firstly so i'm not gonna be yeah. that girl who's always like no but that touches me so like i'm so sad you know because then you become that girl i'm just like yeah the environment is toxic it needs to change i love that you guys mm-hmm. started that yeah actually yeah that's like <laughs> the main reason we started that because it was mm. just uncomfortable it's a lot of that which is happening and we just don't know how to talk about it or raise it and, and then mm-hmm. what what becomes easier now is to just leave that place like you know you graduate yes. and then you leave that place because you're like i'm done yeah i mean why do i want to do this i mean this is a lot of work i'd rather go to some place and earn money and leave this toxic university environment like a lot of when a lot mm-hmm. of people finish their work a lot of women finish their work it's always like oh finally like, like yeah finally doing phd no no group projects because even i think when i did my undergrad even like group projects there were like i mean all the group projects i was involved in had men like literally all my like you were always the only girl in those group projects but it's things like that also like you just want to finish i don't want to be in the space where like i'm not trying to be doing a group work at like 3 a.m with just the guys in my group at like someone's yeah. house and that's just dangerous first it is the world is safe yeah just, and you yeah. don't pitch at that person's house at 3 a.m you're weighted differently on the marking thing yes because they spent like you know i think it's you never win <laughs> <laughs> yo there's no winning i'm telling you but uh, i think it does start with the men acknowledging the fact that they are making the environments quite toxic for us but Mm -hmm. also it starts with us building a community of just females and just like women well specifically um who just like speak about it with each other and support each other when we do start speaking up Mm, mm. absolutely no i love i love i love this concept um and i i wish you luck in that (laughs) um i'll definitely be keeping tabs um i think it's brilliant but uh to wrap up um because this has been quite a great discussion what's one lesson you've learned that has helped you as a woman stay in tech just like advice for other people i guess oh do the work oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay do the work i'm telling you like as much as other people might be like you know it might be uncomfortable you know this like every field People want to, like, everyone wants to shine every time. Like, you know, everyone just wants to mm-hmm. shine. Everyone wants their ideas um, used, um, like, in a group setting and things like that. Um, just mm-hmm. as much as we feel inferior as well, but we also have ideas and, like, you know, but then if you have work that you've done in the past, I can be like of reference that you are very capable of this X, Y, Z. Like it mm. just becomes easier for you to sort of establish yourself. And that's what I found. Like if you have like a mountain of work that you've done in the past, 
that'll help you yeah it becomes easier for you you. I mean sometimes you're just trying to learn like Mm -hmm. you know you don't have that mountain of work that you've done um and you're just trying to learn Mm -hmm. there's always something that you should have done just do the work um do projects small projects uh do them um put them on github like as a woman in tech put those small projects on GitHub. Like if, I don't know, if you're trying to become a web developer or like a back-end developer, just do small projects, um, put them on GitHub, uh, publish, build a website that if you can, that has like links on your projects, like, you know, smaller projects. If it's websites that you're building, you can Mm -hmm. do like, you know, mock wedding websites for people who don't exist or like, you know, other websites like a sort of a gallery of things that to just show that you can do the work and then as you go into these spaces and you're like hey I see the project is on doing websites like this you know I've done websites like x y and z and here are they so I'm actually looking to move on to this um this is more interesting maybe that's uh like you know different technologies you've never used maybe it's even integrating a database you like I've done front work like static website and then but then I've never done back end but I know how to you know and they look at you differently mm-hmm. than saying um I want to learn how to do background like back end things but you've never done anything but should you be taken because you're a woman like we're just trying to move away from that as well because we're trying to build on like your knowledge um okay. Because, like, essentially, that's the important yeah. thing. Like, you know, um, you're not trying to get to, like, you know, um, get into a team because you are Black or they need more females. You should be getting in because of merit. Like, you know, <sighs> yeah, that's just yeah. how things are. It's just that, like, the world is a bit twisted right now and people hire people just because they're women and they need to fill a quota. It just doesn't feel nice when you are being hired because you're filling a quota. I mean, you are trying to build a career as well. So, yeah, like as, yeah, yeah so as a That's woman true. or like a person at a, like previously at a disadvantage um, because of this twisted society, I think we should just be doing the work, man. Um, and just putting yeah. it out there, building the knowledge, just as you would have with any other thing. I am very inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for coming through today. I appreciate it, and definitely, I will start doing the work. Um, I think there's 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 so much to delve into. Um, I guess uh, in the future about like this merit idea, um, as opposed to filling in the quota. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I'm very inspired to do more. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for coming me. through. Was a pleasure. Thanks for listening and join me next week for another untold story of women in disruptive tech spaces. To get in touch, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Kanye underscore Morudu, K-H-A-N-Y-I underscore M-O-R-U-D-U. Till next week.